0: You're listening to So Connected,
1: the podcast for people trying to cultivate connected, purposeful, and joyful lives. I'm Catherine, And I'm Sarah. Today, we're going to talk about our intentions for the new year. But first, let's check in about how it's going. What are your highs and lows right now, Catherine? My high
0: has definitely been that we had the first snowfall in like years in Arkansas this past week, and my girls were so excited. They're four and five. And it was really like the first time they've ever seen snow. We had about four inches. And they were like outside, mouths open, catching snowflakes on their tongue, and like just full of joy. We got to build a snowman and go snow tubing. And it was just such an unexpected source of delight.
1: That is awesome. That is so far from our reality in Austin, where it's perpetually summer slash spring slash fall. And my boys have been craving snow for so long. So I finally broke down and booked a spring break that is gonna be in snow. We're gonna go to Colorado for the spring break. Because normally I crave really warm places like going to California, but I broke down and so we're heading to the snow. So hopefully my children will be just as delighted as yours are. So fun, they will love that. What about your low? My
0: low has it, it really could be much worse considering the year, but we have just been a little bit sad that we are supposed to have been in India this month over the holidays. My husband's from India and we had we we had planned to be there for a month and obviously because of the coronavirus we have not traveled to India this year. And so I think just a change of plans and also just lack of travel, which is something that's super important to us and a big source of joy and connection in our family. So that's been our low is just kind of redefining what this holiday season looks like.
1: I think it's especially hard as coronavirus just goes on and on and we're all craving that community and that connection that's been so hard to come by or it's been more difficult to come by. So it's a really hard time for to be in a month, I don't even know what month we're in, like seven, eight, I don't know. But to be that far into it and to be missing out on those really important things is hard. How are things going for you, Sarah? Well, I feel bad talking about my high because uh, on, the, on the heels of your low, it feels bad to talk about the travel that we are able to do. We were able to go to California in a very safe and socially distant way to see Matt's immediate family, his parents. And we did it as a road trip. Whenever we do road trips, we do it all in a single day to just suffer through it and get it over with. And plus the kids go to sleep at like eight o'clock or nine o'clock. And so then you have like six hours or seven hours of just solitude. And so it's kind of a... We look at it as a little date night when it when it passes <laughs> 9, 9 PM. And we just drink a lot of Dr. Pepper and other caffeinated things that we wouldn't normally drink to stay awake and keep each other company. But it's been awesome. Um, I was born in California, so it sort of feels like my homeland in a lot of ways. And to just in the middle of December to be at the beach and to be with the sun just shining down on your skin and to have your feet in the water. My boys have no trepidation about going in the water. It's I don't know fifty degrees, something freezing, and they are just swimming and body surfing and and surfing, surfing or trying to surf, surf. It's just been um, an amazing experience and one of an anecdote that really captures the experience. The other day we were walking to go get breakfast from a bakery and the sun was just shining down on our backs and we were holding hands which i love my children are nine and seven so they're holding hands less than they have in the past but when those moments come it's so special and we had bought a joke book at a gas station on the road trip and so we were reading jokes out of this joke book and walking to the bakery and it was just fun to have that quality time. I really am my best version of myself, my best version of being a mother when I'm on vacation because I'm just enjoying the novelty and being in a new place and seeing new things and I'm just happier and I'm farther away from the worries of my job. So um, that's been my high.
0: Yeah, that sounds like I'm so envious about the beach and about being in California, but I, that drive, like I'm still just thinking about that drive.
1: (laughs) how many hours is that i mean i don't know Catherine. it is when you type it into google because there's a difference right between what you type into google versus what it actually takes when you have children especially one child with a very small bladder i will not name any names but one of my children (laughs) has to go to the bathroom very frequently and so we we left austin central time at 6 a.m and we got into California, which is two hours earlier at two a.m. So that would have been four a.m. Austin time. So twenty-two hours um, in the wow. car, but it really—it was—it's really worth it. Um, and it's—it's it's awesome. fun to to um, to drive together and be together too yeah. in the
0: car. And it's great to get that time away. And I totally resonate with what you're saying about being like the vet, best version of your mom's self when you're on vacation. It
1: feels Definitely. good. Definitely. My low has just been um, tension that Matt and I have been having recently. We moved into a new house, as you know, and I was really excited about the move. I, I needed a new project. COVID really has been robbing me of, of novelty and progress in my life. I've been getting so bored. I'm downloading game app games on my phone, which is something I have never done before. And so I was excited to have a new experience for our family. And then also I'll talk later about um, the financial benefits of the move that we made. And so I've, I've been really excited, but he has not been as excited about the move. And so he's getting frustrated about all the stress that comes from the move and isn't seeing the benefits in the same way that I do. So that's been hard on our relationship. But mm-hmm. being on vacation has been good and, and we'll get through it and we'll stay on the same team.
0: Yeah, that is really hard. I think it's when there's like a big transition like that, I feel like it always sort of highlights ways that you think or work differently.
1: Definitely, for sure. And now, Catherine, let's talk about today's topic. 2021, ready or not, here we come. So let's start by answering this question. What do you want to release from 2020 before moving into 2021?
0: First, like before, I jump into answering this, I just want to acknowledge that our family, like my nuclear family, has had sort of limited financial or health. Um, like we've been, we haven't been affected the way that so many people obviously have this year. So I just want to say that up front because I feel like they like that question for so many people in 2020, especially, is such a heavy one. Um, but for me, my desire is to let go of the false narratives that sort of perpetuate the systems of injustice all around us. Um, I think something unique happens when tragedy hits and things fall apart. It's It provides an opportunity for us to see truth in a new way. And so I think like this year with 2020 and all the different things that have been happening with COVID, it's highlighted so many of the systemic Forms of injustice at the intersection of healthcare and housing and education, and I've just found myself also leaning harder into some inner work and in examining biases and finding truth in my own brokenness. And I think, like, truth for me is the fertile soil in which change can take seed. So, I think both, like, individually and collectively, like, I want to move into 2021 with fewer blinders.
1: That is really deep, Catherine. It's very, very (laughs) profound. And I I feel like I'm going to have to re-listen to this podcast after we're done to really fully process um, what you're saying. But thank you for sharing that. Sure. What about you? The first part of what you said about how much others have been suffering, that's been really weighing heavy on my heart through this crisis. I've really seen sort of the inequities just sharpen uh, in stark relief i mean i see people who were doing fine like actually even doing better than they were before myself included and i see other people who were already suffering really start to suffer at at new depths and it's really just heart-wrenching to continue to watch that happen in the united states in our neighborhood for example we have a food bank every saturday morning and you just see week after week, the lines getting longer and longer, and people are queuing up earlier and earlier just to get in the food bank line to get their weekly supply of food. And it's just so sad to see that happening and to see our country not really taking any significant steps to correct this th- these problems that have been around for a long, long, long time. Um, so that's been really hard. And um, personally, I just want to release the trauma that I have experienced as a school administrator who have I've had to be making literally life or death decisions. We have 500 children at our school in Austin. And so when you think about that, those children multiplied by their family members, we're talking about thousands of people. And I'm having to work with a small group of other people to make decisions about when to open school, when to close school. And there are there are no good decisions. And they're all scary. And they all have these huge implications. And so I finally was able to get back into therapy just a couple of weeks ago. And when I got onto this Zoom call with my therapist, I was just like, oh, sigh of relief. Like the fact that I'm here and able to get back here means that I've gone through a trauma. I wish that I could actually stay in therapy when I'm going through something traumatic, but I kind of have to shut it off because I need to put all of my reserves into just whatever it is I'm doing. And so it was a sigh of relief when I actually got to talk to my therapist and realize I'm kind of through the most difficult part. And that's been really hard. And then the Mm -hmm. other thing that I want to release is just like this we, we had planned to go on an around the world trip starting in June of 2020. And we were going to start in Ireland and then chase the summer around the world, as you know already. And so that was just really hard to say goodbye to that. Um, but also to just feel sad about that while I was watching what other people were losing in their lives and feeling really priv- overly privileged and overly spoiled, but also feeling legitimately just sad for what my family had lost and you know I you and I talk a lot about connection with children and there's a lot that has been really hard about my job for the past I don't know seven years eight years and so I really wanted that opportunity to reconnect with my children after having given so much to my job and so that was lost but I want to let go of the things that I can't control and not letting that drag me down or making me feel sad. Yeah,
0: that, I mean, I think I'm, like, first, I'm just so glad that you're, you feel like you're at a place now where you're able to get back into therapy and deal with processing and feeling connected and getting some support for just what must have been and continue to be just an enormous weight of trying to make those decisions that impact so many people. Um, And I think, like, something that I, that, as I heard you talking, that I was thinking about is just, I, I heard a don't remember who it was maybe Brene Brown recently talking about like how our suffering doesn't like our suffering like the size of the scale of our suffering doesn't like the fact that other people are suffering more doesn't mean that our suffering doesn't also matter that there's like like suffering is not something that's like a limited quantity so I think it's okay for you to feel bad about sort of like that missed opportunity and what that would have been for your family Um, yeah in the context and I think sometimes actually like connecting with our suffering like allows us to be more open to the experiences of others and the places others are hurting too
1: It makes total sense. It's one of the things I really am working on in therapy because it can be so easy for me to just put my suffering into a capsule and face forward and muster up resilience and optimism and move forward. But then when I don't properly process what I'm going through or what I've been through, then I don't release it. And then it's just buried in this capsule that then comes out when I'm interacting with my children and getting frustrated. So I'm definitely Mm -hmm. working on that. Well, let's go in the opposite direction now, Catherine. What do you want to celebrate from 2020?
0: 2020 has been a year of a lot of connection and learning for our family. So I was coming, in, coming into this year, I had been in a, in a job last year that was requiring a ton of travel for work, and I was gone sometimes 30%, sometimes like 10 nights a month, which was just way too much for my children at the ages that they are. Um, it put a lot of stress on my relationship with Nathan because he was having to pull a lot of the weight at home. And so this year has been just like a super stark contrast to that. We have both been working from home. He goes into his office two days a week, but I'm at, I've been working from home um, every day and we're sharing an office space. And so that has just been like, you know, funny, like you know, he'll be sitting there and talking too loudly with his headphones on. I'll like be throwing paper clips at him, like trying to get <laughs> him to like be quieter so I can listen to my meeting. And like, it's just been like, it's been just sort of like sweet and nice to spend that time together with him. And our children have been in a homeschool pod this year with two other little kids. So I have two daughters and there are two other little girls in the homeschool pod. And there we hired a teacher and they rotate rotate between houses And it's just a super organic and nurturing environment for them. It's been also really fun for me as like with my educator hat on to get to to because they're at our house two days a week, so to get to like hear them learning and like pause my work and go like sit in circle time with them for a little bit and just be more involved with their education this year and sort of know where they are. So That has definitely been, like, just the opportunities for connection and learning in our family has definitely been a highlight. And then another highlight has been just with the slower pace of life, I have been prioritizing meditation in the morning and making sure I wake up before my kids get up. My younger daughter, Suki, is a 5.30 wake-up call. Like, she wakes up at Mm. 5.30. She has always... (laughs) She has always... It doesn't matter what time we put her to bed. Like, she sleeps great through the night. And... We have tried different things, but she has always been, even when she naps, she's always been a 5.30 wake up. And so that means I have to wake up at 4.50 to have a good chunk of time. (laughs) My alarm goes off at 4.50 and I sometimes I'll get a full hour if she like sleeps in a little bit, but I'll get at least half an hour um, of time by myself in the morning, which as a morning person is just really critical. It really helps me set a good tone for my day. And then... I've also been taking sunrise walks after the girls get up and I get to play with them for a little bit. I'll, and once Nathan gets up, I'll go for a walk by myself, um, like an hour-long walk, which is just another form of meditation. So I've been just having like all this, like as an introvert, I've just been soaking in the glory of having time by myself in the slower pace of life.
1: It's amazing that in that experience, it's, it's both like an introvert's worst nightmare to be like so close to others all the time but then also that you're able to carve out these amazing chunks of time to refuel. It's such a good balance.
0: I think I had to like the walk started literally out of sheer necessity. I was like if I see these people that I love <laughs> any more hours of the day, I will not love them anymore. I need to get out of here. It's so so true. it's been it's been a great practice. Yeah.
1: What about you, Sarah? I think, ironically, this has actually been our best year as a school. Uh, We are in year seven. And I think there's something about how we have had to rally together to face this really difficult situation Mm. that has brought us to a new level as a school. And it was very difficult. We are a public charter school, free public Montessori school that is separate from the local district so we make our own decisions and so we honestly decided to open sooner than the local district because we have so many families who need school we have families who are essential workers our children who are have special needs who have to come to school and who don't have the option of starting a, a private pod the way that other families are able to and so we that was that was painful. And we had a teacher quit. We had an administrator quit. And and yet, everybody who did stay really rallied together. And we just got a survey back from our families. And there were 10 different themes of, of things that they are liking about the school like they like the social emotional learning the montessori they like the strong academics they like our response to covid they like the diversity the equity and the conclusion uh, inclusion the the focus on anti-racism and anti-bias just the fact that there were 10 different entry points for so many different families that they could see something that mattered to them at this school. It was really heartwarming because I, I can be so focused on all the problems all the time and, and just solving what needs to be solved instead of stepping back and really taking a, a more global perspective. So that was good. And then the other thing that I want to celebrate is just taking steps to better secure our financial future. Matt isn't working right now, which was a total asset once COVID hit and we could have him be taking the lead on homeschooling. So that was a benefit, but then we are down an entire income. And then we also already didn't have sufficient savings for college. And so we uh, took the step of of getting a second house and moving into a less expensive house and renting out our other house uh, to cover both mortgages. So that was a huge celebration to be able to take those steps to try to set up our children to be debt-free when they graduate from college. Hopefully, they will want to go to college. We'll see. I'll try not to be too controlling, but that's where we are. Wow. That's so,
0: I mean, I think it's, that's so interesting to hear you talk about the school and how people have come together and that that's created just like such a rich environment and network between the community at your school. That's awesome. And yeah, I think we'll definitely have to talk in a future episode more about what you guys have done with your house and how that has helped secure sort of the, your financial situation. I think that's, that's super, a super interesting model. So yeah. look forward to diving into that later.
1: Awesome. Well, now let's turn to 2021. First, let's share what our process looks like for setting goals in the new year. So Catherine, what do you do? For setting your goals each year,
0: so the first we have kind of like a couple of different steps. First, I use a planner called Power Sheets. It's from a company called Cultivate What Matters. We'll have to link this in the show notes. And I am probably five or six years in. I should have I should go look and see what year I am on using this particular planner. Um, and I follow. They have like a goal setting process in the planner that I love. And that there are a couple of deviations that I do, but more or less, we kind of follow the process that's in here. So we look at, first, we kind of evaluate where we are. There's a section in here for looking at different aspects and you rate them, which has been cool to see like year over year to have the same rating scale. And so it's health, friends, finances, personal and spiritual growth, recreation, work, family, and then significant other. And so we give ourselves like a 1 to 10 rating literally on those, which see like I think the first time you do it, you're kind of like,, like I want f- I want to focus on this one area. but once you have sort of like that data over time and you can kind of like chart it, it's just super interesting to see how different things have an impact on your on different areas of your life. Um, and this, this planner actually has like a quarterly refresh. And so we do that once a quarter. And then we have a conversation about kind of like where we want to be in 20 years, my husband and I, which is always kind of funny to like look back over in 2017. One of our 20-year things I was looking at today was that in 20 years from 2017, we wanted to be like growing a food forest, which I ah. think we were, like, we were like in a per- permaculture Bubble at that point, we were just like having babies and like all the things were growing and fertile. I don't know, and so we were just like, but that is not something that I currently want in twenty years. So it's funny to look at like what sticks and what falls off, you know. Um, so we do that exercise and then we complete. We do like a vision page kind of for like what a purposeful year would look like to help us towards strengthening those lower areas and thinking about where we want to be in the longer term. And then we make a list of things, like once we kind of know what we want to look, like what we want to focus on in the year, we make a list of things that we feel like we need to say no to in order to allow those purposeful things to happen. And then we set big picture goals, um, which we'll go into in a little bit. And then we create an action plan for each of the bigger picture goals. And then we set intentions for January.
1: You could start your whole own podcast about how you do this, Catherine. You sound like a real expert in this process. This is awesome to get to talk to you and learn from you. And how, like, how is your partner totally into it in the same way that you are?
0: He does not enjoy it as much as I do. So it's a little (laughs) bit like I definitely put more of the like forethought into all of it. And then I come to him once I kind of am like, okay, here's what I'm thinking like, I make him rate his, his you know, rate himself in terms of where he is. We also have conversations about, like, you know, if these are, like, the eight different domains that you're grading your well-being on, like, you can't focus on eight doing eight things really well every day. And so you have to, like, pick and choose. Like, there are some times where we're like, okay, like, we're just not going to focus on that area this year. Like, we feel like we have enough stability there that it's going to be fine, Um, so we have those kinds of conversations too but yeah it's definitely like he loves the part of thinking about where he'll be in 20 years or where we'll be when we're 90 he likes that like really far out but then when we try to like pull it back into like action steps and more tangible stuff he's like yeah why don't you just like you love that so like I'll just take the girls to the park and give you two hours by yourself and I'm like yes Hallelujah. Like, I will take it. (laughs) That sounds like bliss for me to get to, like, make some tea and sit here by myself and and do planning. So. It's perfect. We connect. We check back in once I've done some of the work.
1: It makes total sense. I I heard recently that every relationship has one person who likes to set goals and the other person doesn't. Um, And so I think part of the trick is just bringing your partner along so that they can be like in in ways in which they want to engage to the extent that they want to engage. And I think different partners want to engage in different ways. Um, So I have something similar with Matt where I'm definitely the lead planner and the lead person who's like super gung-ho about it but um he's definitely willing to get on board because he he feels that we're building our life together and that he wants himself represented in the work that we're doing doesn't want me to just go off (laughs) and build a build a life for both of us without him in it
0: right i feel like it's similar for us like he wants to have his voice heard but also like i think there have been times where i've had to have conversations where i've been like this is super important to me like it's really important to me and And I I just need, I need your energy here for this, you know, once a quarter when we do the goal setting. And so I think part of it too has just been him learning that uh, to be responsive and be a good husband, he needs to just invest energy there, even if that's not his natural inclination. So what's your process like, Sarah?
1: I won't replicate the parts of mine that are similar to yours. I definitely do the same piece of reflecting and sort of evaluating where I currently am because that helps me know where to go next Um, the thing that I will add on is that I usually start this process pretty early um, because I find that the longer Things can marinate in my mind, the clearer they become. So usually in, it's embarrassing to admit, but October, November, like the last quarter of the year, uh, I start just jotting things down in my notebook. I always have a notebook with me and just start jotting down ideas as they come to me because my first ideas are not usually my best ideas. And so I'll just over A couple of months just let different ideas flow in and flow out and then I'll just kind of finalize that list and then we also do family goals not just partner goals but actual family goals and so I'll I'm tr- I'm working on not being so controlling and trying to have more of a participatory democracy in my family, especially as my children get older, and so we will set goals as a family too, and so um, those that will just happen through a series of conversations over the last two months of the year as we narrow things down and get ready for the upcoming year. Yeah, that's that's great.
0: I think like I would love to learn from you as since your kids are a little bit older than me about how you involve your kids. We try to have conversations with our kids and they're like, I want to meet Mickey mouse. Like mm-hmm. they have these, like, I really want a bunny. Like they're like just helping. Like, I think it's been, it's been, I think over the, like they're just starting to get to the place now where we can start to like have conversations about like what is realistic goal setting and like, what does that actually mean? Like when we ask you for your opinion on this
1: yeah Um, yeah your kids are more at the either or would you like this or this pick one right yeah yeah that's a great that's great advice
0: um i was wondering from what you shared like if you start thinking about goals like in october which that's definitely earlier than i do like what would keep you from just wanting to incorporate something into stuff that you're doing in like the fourth quarter of that that year or maybe you do some of both.
1: Yeah, I think I think I'm just sort of a like uh, a master uh, compartmentalizer, which is I'm not saying that to brag. I actually think it's a negative thing in a lot of ways in my life. But I think I just kind of compartmentalize the goals from the previous year and keep working on those as I'm brainstorming for the upcoming year. Hmm,
0: interesting. I feel like mine might be a little bit more fluid. Like I might adjust more throughout the year.
1: Now for our next question, Catherine. What do you want to make true for yourself in 2021? What are your intentions? I have
0: four goals this year, which I want to just say from the onset is fewer goals than I think I've had in at least the last five years. I've always had, I think, more of like six to eight, but my goals are a little bit different this year. They're really focused more on who I want to become and less on what I want to achieve, which is a shift that I think is partially born out of all the time I've had for sort of like self-reflection this year and also born out of some of the stuff I've been reading about habit formation and trying to live into who I want to be. So the four goals that I have are be true to myself, be present with my family, be intentional with my resources and be engaged in my community.
1: Those sound really interesting, Catherine. I'm inspired by the direction that you're going. I feel like I have a lot to learn in terms of focusing on how to be and not what to do. And I've had years where I've gone down that path. And it's interesting to hear you going down that path now because I find I'm going down the opposite path of what I've been down in the past. And I think it's because of COVID. I think COVID has really left me feeling like I can't do much of anything. And so as I see 2021 kind of opening up or hopefully opening up, I'm, I'm getting to this place of like, I want to do, do, do. So it's, it'll be interesting to contrast our experiences this year, but I have a lot of respect for the direction that you're going and ultimately think that's really what life is, is who we are as people and not what we are doing. So I'll be interested to see how that goes for you.
0: I also think that part of the reason that I'm heading in this path is because of the uncertainty of 2021. Like I think at some point during the year, things are going to look a lot different than they are in January. I'm hoping at least. And so that's part of the reason too, is this gives me like a little more flexibility as I set my monthly goals to have the monthly goals be more directly connected to achievement based, like really tangible outcomes whereas the broader buckets are a little bit more flexible. What about you, Sarah? What are you trying to achieve in 2021?
1: My big overarching vision for the year is that 2021 is the year to rise from the ashes of 2020 and to stitch together pieces of joy and gratitude into a quilt of contentment. So I'm kind of trying to put together pieces as they come throughout the year. To your point, I I do feel a lot of uncertainty about what the year is going to look like. And so I'm trying to walk this really interesting line between not letting COVID keep me down and yet also being realistic that there are ways in which COVID is going to keep us down uh, for a significant portion of the year. So I am committing to regularly attending therapy. Uh, This is something that I have wanted to do for a while. My therapist, I did an assessment therapy process and he recommended that I actually, after that process, go through a whole year of really unpacking my trauma capsule from my childhood and also from the difficulty of launching a school while having a one-year-old and a three-year-old, which is not something that I recommend, and so I want to really double down in that process of unpacking and doing that therapy work. And I had gotten out of therapy because with COVID, it was so hard to run a school again and redesign school. And so now I'm going back into that. And I really, so every time you talk to me, you should say, oh, how was your last therapy appointment? Because I should say, oh, it was X, Y, and Z, because I should be going. I also wanted to launch this podcast. I've, I've, it's something I've wanted to do for a long time. I've really love creative endeavors, and I love the idea of partnering with someone on a creative endeavor, but I also wanted it as a mechanism for accountability because I feel like what we put out into the world really serves as another layer of motivation. And to your point of not knowing what 2021 is going to bring and and feeling like there are gonna be different phases of 2021 where we can actually set different kinds of goals Having this mechanism in place really gives me a way to add goals throughout the year and I definitely want to do that. I want to have date nights with Matt again uh, every other month Um, and I want to go on a self retreat this year, go somewhere by myself and just get that time away for rejuvenation. I want to continue on the path of health and wellness that I started during COVID and really stick to my daily calorie budget and walk at least 10,000 steps. I want to stretch before bed. I want to drink at least 80 ounces of water a day and try to run at least twice a week, so kind of have those healthy habits in place. I want to have a calm home, which means I want to keep it organized on a daily basis. It can get really chaotic around our place. And then I want to commit to new learning. I always want to be learning something new and engaging in self-development, which is another reason why I wanted to start this podcast this year because it's going to be part of that for me. And then the last one is to deepen friendships as we as the world starts to open up. In terms of our family goals, I have a, I have a list of nine goals. I'll go ahead and just post those in the show notes. They're just smaller things like hosting at least for back – Yard movie nights or attending at least two performances I'm imagining those things will come later in the year as everything starts to return to normal after the vaccine. Wow well I have I think first I think that that
0: image of the quilt is so beautiful. I love that. And secondly, I think that like as I listen to you talk about what your goals are, I'm just reminded of how much we have in common because I think from the childhood therapy to desiring to invest in date nights to being excited about launching the podcast, Um, All of those things are things that are showing up for me, like in my January plans that I've been making. And so um, I will also have to post sort of what my spreadsheet for tracking my goals on a monthly basis and a weekly basis looks like on Instagram.
1: That would be really great. And I definitely have things that are lurking in the back of my mind, like I want to get to New Zealand, but I'm not going to set that as an intention when the year is so uncertain because I don't want to set myself up for disappointment. But if the borders open up, then you will see that becoming part of what we talk about as a recurring intention and goal, because I wanna be really flexible this year and not wait until next January to to think about the rest of the year. I wanna be really living in relationship with my goals and be responsive to what we are able to do. And for our final question on today's topic, Catherine, what are some of the practices or habits that you are going to put in place to ensure that you end 2021 where you want to be. So there are two parts of this to me.
0: For me on this journey of becoming these things that I aspire to live into this year, the first is consistency. I think that it it like achieving what you want to 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 attain in life is so much about all the small steps, and I think sometimes that seems monotonous or mundane, but you have to put in the little effort every single day to to get where you want to be. So being consistent is the first thing that I'm putting in place. And the second thing is sort of related, related actually to my first goal of being true to myself. Um, I just really want to be grounded in what makes me come alive. And that takes some intentionality around making sure you know what that is on an ongoing basis, but then also saying no to comparing yourself to other people or to images you've had of what you want for yourself in the past or to cultural norms and so I think really just trying to stay grounded and stay authentic to what I want is the second thing that I am going to be doing to try to reach my goals
1: and how are you going to achieve more consistency in your life I think that's the hardest thing for a lot of people myself included
0: so I have, a, I have a habit tracker and the Cultivate What Matters, um, the book, the planner that I mentioned earlier has a, a planner, like a tracker that has a place for you to write your intentions on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis. And for the first time this year, I have moved that into a Google spreadsheet. And so I'm very excited about being able to do that on my phone. I think it'll help me track more consistently, but then also some of the data, like I take my morning daily weight Um, I also give myself a score for the day. That's gonna pull now into a chart. So I'm very excited because I'm a visual person. Um, So that's kind of, that's what I do is I just track it and somehow in tracking, I'm able to be more accountable.
1: For anybody who's looking for another way to track daily habits, I definitely recommend the Streaks app. I've had a lot of good luck with that in the past for very easy tracking. Cause I, I think getting that consistency on a daily and weekly basis is so critical. Thanks for sharing that, Catherine.
0: And Sarah, what are some of the practices or habits you're putting into place to ensure you end 2021 where you want to be?
1: Earlier, I used the phrase, something about living in relationship with my goals. And I got that from some podcast somewhere. I feel terrible that I'm not able to credit the person right now. Uh, But but basically this idea, he says, if you wanna have a good relationship and a successful relationship with your partner, You would never sit down and decide that at the beginning of the year, and then do nothing to support that or facilitate that relationship throughout the year. And so he says our goals are the same, that we, to live, to be successful with your goals, you need to live in relationship with your goals. And so what I do is a monthly, I commit to a, I call it a monthly summit on my calendar. It's a two hour chunk of time once a month. It's just a recurring invite. And during that time, I sit down and I have an agenda that I go through. So I don't even have to think about it. I'm just on autopilot, kind of going through each of the things. And I'm checking back to my yearly goals. And I'm asking myself, well, if these are my yearly goals, what do I need to be doing on a monthly basis? And then when I sit down to plan my week, I'm going back to think about, well, what did I say I wanted to get done this month? So really just Connecting the dots between my yearly goals, my monthly goals, and my weekly goals.
0: Awesome. And if someone wanted to see your agenda for your monthly summit, where could they find that?
1: Well, let's add it to the show notes, Catherine. (laughs) I'll put it there. Perfect.
0: I would be interested in taking a look. I'm totally asking for my own benefit. Awesome.
1: Now, let's share a tip or a trick that we recommend to others. Catherine, what do you want to share? I am very excited that this past
0: weekend we aged up our craft supply area. This is a constant point of tension for me because our girls are still young enough that we really want them to be doing anything with paint or markers or glue or Play-Doh at our dining room table and not in their bedroom or in the playroom, which both have carpet. And so what we did, and but we don't have a good space like near the dining room table to put the craft supplies, but they have, as they've gotten older, they need access to more supplies and they need it to be organized in a way that sets them up to be successful in putting it back, how they found it. And so this weekend I, our coat, we have a coat closet that's next to the dining room. And so I put a shelf in the bottom of the coat closet. I don't know why I hadn't thought of this earlier. And I added trays for, All the different kinds of supplies they need to have access to, drawers for paper, and a tub for Play-Doh. So I'm very excited that they are now going to have better access to successfully manage their own supplies.
1: That sounds really inspiring. It's so hard to keep up with our kids as they age. They age so fast and their needs change so quickly and you have to prepare the environment. You know, as a fellow Montessorian, it's it's easier to do it in the classroom than it is at home. I would love for you to share a photo of that on Instagram so we can get some inspiration. I can definitely do that.
0: And what about you, Sarah? What have what tips or tricks do you have for us?
1: Well, we've been on vacation and our boys got money from gift cards from their grandparents to Target. So we took them to Target. And while we were in the Target toy aisle, I reconnected with a long lost toy of my past called Bop It, which my cousins and I used to have so much fun playing And I just thought it would be the perfect toy for our boys, trying to keep them off of video games and screens so much. I mean, it's still an electronic toy, but it's better than a video game. And I just think it's such a fun game for challenging yourself and for strengthening your memory and for having a growth mindset. And it's fun to just dance along to it. So we got this super simple bop it, which only has a twist it and a bop it and a pull it. But it's been really fun. And I will share that I... I, I beat the game. I got to 100, and it doesn't let you go past 100. So I got to 100, and I'm patting myself on the back over here. Small victories.
0: Uh, way to go. That sounds fun. I love sharing things that I did when I was younger with my kids. It's like one of the big joys of parenting, I think.
1: Now let's close out our episode with facing forward. Catherine, given the goals you have for yourself this year, what do you want to make happen in the next two weeks?
0: There are two things specifically on my mind the first is that i want to establish plans for working with sydney my daughter who's five on phonics this spring she as i said we we're in a homeschool pod this year but she's the only kindergartner in the pod and so i'm really trying to to work now on making sure that she is going to be ready for first grade and so i'm going to print out i we have the montessori language stuff but i'm going to pull out my language binder and go through and make some lesson plans and put it in a separate binder just for working with her this spring so that we can, so that I have easy access to being able to set myself up for success and following through with being consistent on that every day. Um, and then the second thing that I'm wanting to, uh, that I'm doing that I often do is a New Year's cleanse. I'm going to do a one week cleanse the first week of the new year. And so I'll be really restricting what I eat And that always kind of helps me reset from the sweets that typically are associated with the holiday season sort of reset my cravings.
1: I love doing that too. And you're really speaking my love language over here talking about phonics. I've just gotten so into the research behind phonics and the research shows that 60% of children need really... Sequential systematic phonics instruction, and that's not always a part of what is happening in this our schools in the United States. So it's really cool to hear you talking about that. And it sounds like you're all set with your Montessori materials. But if anyone else out there is looking for additional resources, I love the All About Reading and All About Spelling program. I use that with my own children, one of whom has dyslexia, and I find that it's just so user friendly for helping parents who have no education background know what to do step by step I'll include it in the show notes in case it's helpful to anybody thanks for
0: that recommendation and what about you what are you hoping to make true for yourself in the next two weeks
1: I feel like I am on this let's go big or go home train right now like I said I feel like COVID has just really kept me down from being able to do much of anything so my list is very long but I've got two weeks Uh, and these are all things that I've been pushing along and moving along. It's so it's really just kind of finalizing them. One is we really want to get fully settled into our new house and so we have a bunch of things that need to get installed or hung up on the on the wall that if if someone in our family were crafty or a DIY person, like we could do it on our own, but they're really heavy things. I don't want them to fall on my children, so I need to hire someone to come and hang everything up. I also uh, want to move forward with trying to build a pool in our at our new house, and so we need to work with a company to get the design finalized and get the permit submitted to the city. And then, in order to do to finance that, we have to do a cash out refinance on our our original house, which is now classified as an investment property. And then finally, I want to uh, make a care package for one of my old professors or former professors he wouldn't be happy if I called him old a former professor of mine has recently been diagnosed uh, with um, a degenerative disease and so I want to put together a care package for him so I'm going to get all of that done in two weeks and I can't wait to come back and and say yes I've checked all of those things off my list because it's a lot to do but I'm excited to do it Wow, you have a lot of a lot of things
0: going on I think moving is always just sort of a never-ending list like you think you're almost done and then there's just more definitely. So, I'm um, be excited to hear your updates.
1: Well, that's all for this episode of So Connected. We'll be back in 2 weeks on Tuesday. In the meantime, you can find the show notes at soconnectedpodcast.com. That's S O W Or you can find me, Sarah, on my blog at feedingthesoil.com.
0: You have enjoyed this podcast. We would appreciate it if you can review the podcast in Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume your podcast. See you in two weeks. Wishing you joy, purpose, and community between now and then.